0: Italian driving, what's behind me is not important. here comes Cooper on that outside move again, Cooper, outside, can he pull the move, Matt Cooper with a brilliant move on the outside, never seen that done through Mosses, and look at the run that Matt Cooper has. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show of record, the show that matters, and the show that puts you on pole position for news, commentary, and opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing. Yes, you are back now for episode number 66. It is the Matt Maladin edition of Rumble Strip Radio. As always, I am your host, the Duke, and it is with pleasure that I do welcome you back here and uh, trying out some new stuff again this week. Had to go back to an old uh, setup last week, as I think we said, and uh, definitely noticed a difference in quality. I did anyways, so we're uh, back trying something, uh, well, an updated version of an old uh, way and trying a few tricks in here. So uh, let let us know how you like the uh, sound, if it sounds better, if it sounds different, or, you know, honestly, you don't care. Anyways, let's uh, take care of the administrative stuff and get that out of the way. Uh, feedback always welcome www.rumblestripperradio.com excuse me hello how about the website that would be www.rumblestripperradio.com the feedback is rumblestripperadio at gmail.com now if you head on over to the website you can uh, see what's going on for the show notes links uh have a picture up there for you this week of Christopher Mulan's bike in the uh, Barry Sheen esque you know retro type colors that he's doing and um I kind of like it. You know, I it doesn't blow me away, but I uh, I I think it's pretty cool and um I think it's a good job. So, and obviously paying tribute to uh, one of his heroes. So, cool on that. Uh the, of course, on the uh, top right uh, hand corner of this of the um of the page, you see the donate button there, and that is where you can uh, click on there and if you would be so kind as to uh, you know, kick us a few dollars to our PayPal account, it would be much much appreciated. As we said last week, I'd like to thank Steve Schmidt for uh, kicking us some money there. That would be – that was uh, very, very much appreciated, and we'll certainly go in helping towards upgrading our equipment here at uh, Rumble Strip Radio. And as I've said, uh, the reason we're uh, asking for it at this point, asking for donations at this point, is there's uh, definitely some upgrades that need to happen to the equipment, um, mostly on the computer side of things. As uh, Oh, man, it's it's definitely painful to try and do some of the – uh post production editing here and and how long it takes and stuff like that. Uh, plus if we could uh figure a way how to get a, a laptop in that we that means we could do more on the road, do some more some more mobile stuff at some of the races we go to. And uh you know, maybe even upload some stuff from races. We'll see what happens, but uh if you would be so kind as to help, that would be that would be great. And uh I was doing some of the math and if everyone who listens to the show kicked in say 20 bucks, and that's eliminating the people who have already uh donated money we could even do a video show which i think would be really cool um you know make greg's garage look like well you know the production it really was and, and and show how a production really should be done so that just i don't really expect that to happen but i guess if y'all want a a video production of the show um you know everyone who listens kick in 20 bucks and uh, i guarantee we'll have a video production and it will look really good because I already have it all scoped out in my head. I know the equipment I needed, and we can even set it up here in the house. It'll come off pretty cool. But uh, anyways, a bit of a pipe dream. But hey, if you want it, let me know. RumbleStripRadio at gmail.com. And then, of course, you got to go over to the website and, and donate to the show. Um, got a little, got, got some money that I could put towards it, just not near enough. So anyways, and I'm talking doing it uh, top shelf, not trying to cheat by that would look like a professional production. That's why I say everyone who listens to the show, um, twenty bucks, because that would not only be the equipment, um, but it would also be the hosting and stuff like that. Because that uh for the video files I'm assuming people would want about a half hour show. Yeah, that gets that starts getting into some money. So, anyways, enough of that. Let's um Let's talk about some of the news that's going on this weekend. Uh, Actually, there was quite a bit of it. Obviously, the the race at MagnaCore, a lot of stuff going on there. The championship wrapped up, and we are going to spend a good uh, chunk of the show talking about that. But uh, obviously, the big news that came out after the race uh, was the death of Norik Abe. Uh, He was involved in a street accident in Japan, and obviously, uh, a very tragic accident there. I guess a truck, or for our uh, British fans. The a, a lorry did a U-turn in front of him and uh, tried to lay it down, didn't work out, and uh, was killed. So uh, not uh, not a good day. Now, this may sound a little cold, but I was never a Norik Abe fan. I know there's a lot of people out there who are huge fans, including Valentino Rossi. That's where the whole uh, Rossafumi thing came out was uh, Norafumi Abe, you know, it was Norik Abe, but Norafumi Abe. And that's where Rossi got the inspiration for the whole Rossafumi thing. Um you know a lot of fans of him he certainly was spectacular at times and but they just his uh his his flashes of brilliance uh in between his you know complete inconsistency and just he was another you know just one of those guys never did much for me so um like i wasn't a fan, but you know it's still i you know who wants to see this guy you know not with us he was just at uh at the MotoGP race at Motegi, so not um not so good so uh, thoughts go out to his family and, uh, friends of, uh, family of uh, family and fans as well. So one of the things that uh, was just announced, uh, not a couple hours before we decided to record here on uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, as, uh, is Josh Hayes is re-signed with Arian as he let us know last week when he was on the show. Uh, Everything pointed to the fact that he would be back basically same team, same program as last year, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, Back with Arian, back with the same crew, back racing Supersport and Formula Extreme for 2008. Um, In a a note on uh, Dean's world over there, uh, in a conversation he had with Dean after signing, uh, he says he still in, has this mindset that he will be getting a superbike ride in the next couple of years, and I think that's probably why he's staying with Honda, staying with Ari and setting himself up, so if Miguel decides to step out after next year or whatever, that he's basically sitting there and ready to pounce. And if he wins a couple more championships, it certainly strengthens his case for that. We'll see what happens. Uh, we did talk about the Christopher Mullen livery that uh, that's up, and like I said, there's a— uh, uh, a picture up op- at the website there for for this week's episode, and you can uh, get it's a small picture, but if you go to, I'll put a link in the show notes uh, for for where you can go. But some huge, uh, super gonzo high res pictures. I think the the original for the picture that I'm I'm using here was like 2800 by I don't know 1700 or something like that. It was it was it was a big picture, but uh, so you can see some. Um, see some of the details of the bike which i thought was pretty cool a few things in there that uh just kind of interesting to see how it's done look at uh, some of the welding and everything as well which was uh quite uh quite good you know very uh very envious of the quality of the of the welding on that chassis uh the fiat yamaha team is also going to have a new livery or you know one of the most one-off liveries for uh the weekend here at at uh, phillip island and this is goes to coincide with the uh abroth i believe that's how you pronounce it a b a r t h abroth um, launch of fiat fiat has owned it um think of this as fiat's version of a m g or the m series you know for b m w uh it was a separate tuning house way back in the day that they bought and uh, integrated and now gonna with all the relaunching of the products they have including the five hundred um oh there's another one that they're doing as well um, you know, it'll be their it'll be their tuner shop that they're gonna release the high performance versions out of. So we'll see how this comes out. I guess the they're gonna be de, be debuting it tomorrow on Friday in in pit lane, I believe is when they is what the press release said. Might have been later today, but I believe it was Friday. Um, so we'll see how that comes out. You know, they Fiat signed up for five different uh, paint jobs through the year. They've done a couple, and um, we'll see how this one comes out. I know the last one was uh, the one at Aston, and a lot of people weren't too hip on it. I kind of dug it in a very retro, you know, 60s retro kind of, um, oh, Jesus. uh, uh, What's the Mike Myers, James Bond takeoff, Austin Powers kind of way? Thank you. Excuse me. And, um, yeah, anyways, one of the things that uh, came out the other day, was it was Dorna announced that the British Superbike Series is going to a control tire, and I am guessing it's likely Dunlop since it's almost the de facto tire anyways. There's only one Michelin team and two uh, Pirelli teams in that series, so I'm going to guess that you know sort of by default it's going to end up being Dunlop. And since Dorna controls the British Superbike Series and has made this decision for them to go to a control tire, you can basically see the writing on the wall that, um, you know that it is coming from MotoGP. It's it's. I hate to say it's a done deal, but it's probably going to be be that way. Now, in the uh, pre-race press conference today, uh, Casey Stoner came out and and flat blasted this thing. Um, you know, he 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 said a lot of what I've been saying is you know, Michelin's dominated for 15 years, and it's been you know we haven't needed a spec tire up to this point, but now that Bridgestone has had a good year and Michelin hasn't, we need one. Um, you know, he just came out flat against it. Even uh, Christopher Mullen came in uh, during the press conference and, and said essentially the same thing. And and here's a guy who dealt with spec tires when he was racing in World Superbikes on, on Tencada, and he said that, you know, they went to the spec tire, and pretty much there was no tire development for a couple of years, you know, essentially the same platform nothing really changed and what he fears is much the same thing is going to happen here in moto gp you're punishing uh, a tire company who spent a lot of money um, invest a lot of time effort money development call it what you will and had a good year and michelin didn't and so like i said last time we're going to uh you know make all these decisions based on less than a year's data let's let's not consider the fact that not only did we you know change tire rules to, to limit the amount of tires uh but we also changed motorcycles and and those you know that probably had no effect on on how the tires reacted and things like that so um major props to stoner and Vermulin for coming out and and bashing this thing the other thing that stoner said is uh, and you know showing some balls here which i like um, you know, he 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 flat out said, you know, flat out named Rossi and Pedrosa. Is you know, it, it's interesting that there's two riders that are making the rules here, for uh, for the series, and uh, you know, I'm sure Pedrosa with Honda behind him was, you know, as I've said before, that was the impetus behind the whole 800 CC rule. You know, back even when Stoner was coming up through uh, through 125 and 250, Honda knew where he was, where they wanted to put him, and. Uh, You know, a small stature and and lack of strength and things like that Uh, on the 990 fire breathing machine was the probably I would say is 98 percent of the impetus between Honda pushing for the 800 rule, you know, and then Rossi and 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 also pushing because they don't you know, they have not been happy with Michelin this year compared to what the Bridgestone guys have been doing. So Um, props to Stoner for calling that that out. I I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, back home in the AMA series, uh, one of the Suzuki support teams is uh, going through some changes. Uh, Four and Six Racing is splitting off from Safety First. Um, Sa- Safety First—I don't want to say it was a merger, but basically, Four and Six had sort of been integrated into Safety First uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, but uh, both uh, Jim Rashid, or sorry, Jim Rashid, who uh, who owns Four and Six, is one of the co-owners of Four and Six. And uh, Kevin Hansen, who owns Safety First, I think they had some different directions they both wanted to go, and have decided to part ways. So we'll see what happens with both of those guys. Um, I believe uh, Four and Six will be uh, staying in the AMA paddock, or you know, Jim Rashid will be staying in the AMA paddock and uh, kind of rebirthing Four and Six Racing, who you know they were a decent support team uh, back a few years ago. And then of course Safety First, you know, will be continuing to uh, to soldier on. Uh, with suzuki and, and we'll see where that program decides to go as well and, and what happens i'll see if i can get uh, kevin hansen on and um and get some comments from him you know he's obviously can say what he can and can't say what he can't and um he's you know, a team owner he's he's gotta be careful with i guess hate to say be careful but he'll be you know pc i guess <laughs> i guess is the word was, you know you know where i'm trying to go with that um we'll see what happens and um I I will uh, I'll definitely try and dial up Kevin and and get him on the show for next week and get some comments there. Let's see. Uh World Superbike stuff, got to quite got some things that happened there uh outside of the race at Magny-Cours. Uh Tenkata has announced their lineup for 2008. Uh two riders for World SuperSport, which will be uh Andrew Pitt and Johnny Ray. they will be taking care of uh, SuperSport and that'll be it will be a damn good Supersport team. I mean, Andrew Pitt's already shown this year what he can do uh, on a good Supersport bike, and, including for Tenkana. Uh Johnny Ray is, you know, the hot young thing coming out of the BSB and uh, taking a, well, I say a step back for Supersport, but, you know, we went through that. Uh, his his thinking is that uh, going from a, a national to a world championship, learning of the tracks and things like that, so... um that'll be uh, that'll be that'll be a really strong team like i said for super sport next year uh for superbike we'll actually have three riders uh Carlos Checa, or as uh uh some people like to call him chucker uh Safuoglu and uh Kianari who's coming over from the british series as well uh'll be all all be on uh superbike so that's that's pretty good now. Uh, Hanspree has re-upped with Tenkata as a sponsor for the team. They have also signed through 2010 to be the title sponsor of the World Superbike Series, which we speculated on here a couple shows ago that uh, Tenkata or excuse me, that uh, has had uh, some good reaction uh, in the World Superbike paddock. You know their association with Tenkata. They seem to be enjoying themselves at the races. So stepping up now that Corona is stepping out. And uh, so, to, so for the next three years, eight, nine, and ten, uh, they will be the title sponsor for World Superbike Series, and they will also be the the um, presenting sponsor for the U.S. round of the World Superbike Series here at Miller Motorsports Park in 2008. So, I mean, these guys are definitely dropping a ton of cash uh, on this on motorcycle racing on the ser- on World Superbike. So, very very cool to see. So, you know, it's one of those things. Next time I go shopping for a monitor, you know might have to look for that uh, handspray brand or hands, hand G, H-A-N-N uh, hyphen G, I think is what it is. So we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, very cool. Good to see. And now we just need to see what the All-Star team is going to do for sponsorship next year. Um, you know, the, the series is taken care of. Ten is taken care of. We need to see what's going to happen with All-Star. And, uh, you know, maybe there's hope that Max will be back and re-sign and, and they'll run three three superbikes as well. Not looking likely, but um, we'll see. It uh, looks like Fonzi Nieto is like 98% over. I haven't seen the official word that he's moving over there, but uh, I think it's about 98% done. And uh, uh, Kageyama obviously is set for next year as well. Uh, as I said before, once he won the 8-hour, the Suzuka 8-hour race, he's basically got a job for life with Suzuki and I can't, you know, I can't say he can write himself a MotoGP ticket, but outside of MotoGP, he'll 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 say, you know, here's where I'd like to race next year. What can we do? And and they'll figure something out for him. That's you know, when you beat Honda on their track uh, at the biggest race of the year in Japan, I, I'd say that's even bigger than the MotoGP race, at least for the manufacturers. You know, that's you're <laughs> you create a little job security for yourself. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on for World Superbike here. Um, news-wise anyways, is uh, uh, an article in uh, Crash.net that appeared today, I think it was this morning I saw it, uh, from James Tozlin, and um, given credit to to Troy Bayless and to Max Biaggi for helping him get into MotoGP. And um, he credits Bayless on two levels. One, uh, Bayless making him a better rider and and helping him to have some of the best rides he's ever had. Um, also, because of Baylis last year at, at uh, Valencia on the Ducati, going out and and dominating the MotoGP race, let uh, let some people in the paddock know that you know it's just not a bunch of old retired second line people putting around in World Superbike. That you know there's some talent here, um, and and the fact that Bayless got on the Ducati, won the race, let people know the quality and level of talent that's going on in World Superbike. And and James says he, he believes that opened some eyes to having a, a, a look at what's going on in the paddock and gave him the opportunity that he did head on over to um, the uh, Tactua team for 2008. So um, that's cool on James that uh, that he did that and, and given some props out. Uh, excuse me. So sorry, the setup I have uh airflow, trying to get a little bit better sound and Gonna have to drink uh, more water than usual here. And we'll try to keep it to a minimum, anyways. Um, yeah, so I think that's uh, that. Pretty much takes care of the the important news, uh, uh, the the things that uh, everyone wants to hear about. Um, no more news about the whole Roberts deal for next year and what's going on there with the two rider team and who the engine supplier is going to be. A little bit of speculation on my point on my part here, um, and I'll just kind of walk you through through my thought process here. Obviously, we know it's not going to be Honda because Honda said they will not give him uh, two motors. And um, we know it's not going to be KTM <laughs> um, for obvious reasons there. And so you got to think that based on uh, the chassis they have, they're going to go with a V setup. So that leaves essentially two two uh, motor companies to go after. Um, Yamaha is an inline four and Kawasaki is an inline four. So those two guys are out. That leaves you Suzuki and Ducati as potential engine suppliers. Unless Roberts is going to go do something on their own. But I mean he's flat out said that given given their experiences with um with the uh, V3 2-stroke and their um and with their 990 experience and their V5 990 experience that it's, you know, he doesn't think that it's practical. Now maybe they've been doing something behind the scenes and have come up with a 800cc V4 on their own. I don't know, but I gotta believe they're gonna come up with some kind of engine deal between um, uh, between Suzuki and Ducati. Now the head scratcher is here: who would he go with? Now, in some ways, you'd think Ducati for I don't know for no other reason than Ducati is not a Japanese company. Um, Ducati's into racing, but there that's a pretty small operation to be kicking out um, and supplying you know bikes for two teams, their own. And uh, Danteen plus then supplying motors for a third team in Team Roberts. That's, as much as I'd like to see it, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Now, so where does that leave you? Suzuki. They're supporting two riders on two bikes. You know, maybe next year they'll step up to three riders and three bikes, or four riders and four bikes, depending on who you believe and the rumors and all that stuff. Um, But here they would just have to supply motors, which certainly takes a significant hit off. You know, it's still a lot of work, but nowhere near as bad. Um, I think Dorna would like that because that certainly steps up Suzuki's involvement, um, at least supplying motors. Maybe not a whole bike, but at least the motors. So if I had to, uh, if I was a betting man, I would say Suzuki is where the motors are going to come from from Team Roberts next year. No history, um, nothing other than pure flat-out speculation and sort of um, checking off the boxes here is um, where I see things leading to. Who knows? We'll see. So with that let's uh, let's head up uh and talk about Magnacour and the world superbike finale there um some pretty decent races, I thought, if you take out uh what happened up front, you know as far as who won and and how that whole battle went um first off, we have to say you know James Tozlin on pole with a tremendous lap um I think he was uh oops two tenths faster. Then uh, everybody else, let's see if I can uh, pull that up here real quick. Uh, Super pole one, f- nope, I'm sorry, um, not quite that dominant. He uh, he did put in a, a pretty solid lap though, 138.501. Uh, second place, Max Neukirchner, Neukirchner uh, 138.524, Coarser than Haga, that was the front row. Uh, Lanzi on his way out the door uh, was fifth, Biaggi sixth, Bayless seventh. Uh, not a good lap for Tro- Troy's. Like uh, even after Super Pole said, I thought it was a decent lap, but obviously it didn't turn out that way. Uh, Laconi, you know, well everyone knows my thoughts on Laconi. Um, that was Row two. Nieto, Zaus was looking for a little more from Ruben this weekend. Rolfo, Fabrizio, and then uh, Martin Tiberio, um, Jakub Smertz, and Carl and Muggridge. And Muggers had a cr- had a pretty wild Super Pole lap with a couple. Uh, uh, step in the back out, step in the back out a couple times, pretty dramatically, in on that lap on the Alto Evolution bike. So, but uh, Tosland, solid lap. Neukirker, we need to give a, a shout out to him. He had a, a really good weekend, I thought, and and definitely showed some stuff. And you remember a couple of years ago when he was on the Claffey bike, he definitely showed that he had some speed and had some talent to to do some stuff. Made uh, you know he ran up front, and I think he even finished on the podium once or twice on the Calafi bike. I may be wrong on that. I don't have um don't have the stats on that. But I mean he at least had his had his nose up there and, and let people know who he was and then when the Calafi team fell apart um due to uh lack of funding from Honda and stuff like that. Uh, and then the was that with borrows coming in I think that took that sucked up all the money too. So anyways um so Neukirchner Neukirchner steps in on the uh, All Star bike uh, filling in for uh, Yukio Kageyama, sorry, who had, who had hurt himself. So he, uh, you know, he he's essentially is part of the the All-Star team anyways, riding, a, uh, certainly it's a super, you know, super bike built by All-Star, but certainly not to the spec that uh, um, Max and, and Yukio's uh, bikes are. But uh, you put him on uh, top-shelf machinery, and he showed what he could do here, especially, you know, Super Bowl, and even during the races had some um, – had some pretty good, uh, runs and, and definitely had his nose up there, uh, letting people know he was up there for, um, for race one. Well, actually for both races, uh, you know, it was a, it was a Noriuki Haga beatdown. He went out there and did what he had to do. He qualified on the front row, which was important. You know, no, no, no points awarded for polls. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, But he went out there and won both races in dominating fashion. He scored maximum points, which is what he had to do to, you know, have a sniff at the championship. And he got pretty damn close to that championship, which we'll talk about. Um, You know, race one and uh, Bayless Courser and Neukirchner, who was up there a lot. Um, You know, Bayless had a pretty, pretty solid, um, uh, pretty solid race. Courser. I was actually impressed with Corser for the first time all year. He looked racy. He looked hard in both races, although race two, you could say he got spooked a little bit. Um, race one, obviously the big deal was at the start where where Lanzi and Toslin got together. And um, as I said in a couple of different spots, I don't think Toslin is going to be sending out any Christmas cards to Lorenzo Lanzi anytime soon. Um, he, uh, you know, Lanzi went down and, and ended up busting up his shoulder, came out on the grid and, uh, you know, apologized to him with his, with his arm in a sling and stuff like that. And I guess Tozlan said, you know, great, thanks, whatever, uh, was good about it. But still, um, he really screwed up his race and he ended up finishing seventh in race one. You know, it was, uh, was a courser Neukirchner, Neukirchner, Nieto, who you know, ni- nice of you to show up there this weekend, first time all year. Uh, Biaggi, Toslin, Zaus in eighth, Laconi ninth, and Rolfo in tenth. Uh, race two, again, Haga uh, was um, was way up there. Sorry, I'm thinking about two different things that happened, and I think I'm messing up. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay, sorry. I'm confusing two different things that happened. Uh, so race two was uh, Haga, Biaggi, and Nieto up there, and then Korser in fourth, and uh, I don't think... Courser is going to be sending out any Christmas cards to Fonzie Nieto anytime soon either as you saw towards the end of the race that they had their uh, their little mix up there sorry about that a little bit of interruption there i had to take care of some business so I I, I pretty much have lost my train of thought at this point and and I do apologize for that Uh, we were talking about MagnaCore and um, the get together between uh Nieto and, uh, and and Courser there, and that, that got a little hairy there for a minute. Uh, there was a lot of trade and paint this weekend or this past weekend at MagnaCore, which was kind of good, good to see. I mean, yes, Haga ran away with both races, and and so from that standpoint, it was it was a little bit boring, but there were enough other good battles going on in the field that it, I thought it made it uh, a pretty entertaining race and uh, pretty enjoyable to watch. You know, Race 2, Haga, uh, Biagi up there, last uh, maybe the last time we'll see him in World Superbike hard to say. I hope not. I mean, everyone knows I'm not a Max fan, but, um, he certainly adds color, character, and credibility to the series. So, uh, I hope he somehow gets on somewhere. Uh, Fonzie Nieto, you know, heading out the door at, uh, Kawasaki. So yeah, I might as well get on the podium while you're out the door. Uh, Troy Corser, fourth, Bayless, fifth, and James Tozlin in sixth. And, um, yeah, just not a good race for James here either. yeah uh, uh, I think at one point they figured out he figured out where he needed to finish with Haga up front, and, and that's pretty much where he locked into. Uh, his teammate Rolfel kind of ran, uh, uh, what do they say, tail gunner, in, uh on the Eurosport uh, feed, he you know, basically held everyone else back to make sure that he got sixth. Uh, Laconi eighth, Fabrizio ninth, and uh, Ruben in tenth. So with that, your uh, your final standings: James Toseland wins the championship by two points, uh, 415 to 413 over Noriyuki Haga. Uh, Max Biaggi in third, 397. Troy Bayless, 372 in fourth. Uh, Troy Corser then a uh, distant uh, fifth with only 296. And then, pleasing me to no end, Ruben Zaus, 201 over uh, Lorenzo Lanzi and Robbie Roffel, who tied at 192. So just I'm happy to see Ruben up there in, in sixth in points. And, um, you know, he's a, uh, you know, it's hard to call him a privateer. He's a semi-factory guy um, finishing in front of a number of, uh, of full factory guys, including you know Lanzi, Rolfal, Laconi, uh, Fonzi Nieto, uh, Yukio Kagiyama. Now Yukio had a, a lot of injuries this year, so you know, but still he finished uh, well in front of those guys. So uh, as a Rubens House fan, was very very happy to see that. So the season is done and over with, and James Toseland is your champion. I know a lot of people are gonna whack on him for uh, the way he finished up the season, the fact that he was what. 80 points, 75, 80 points up at one point, and then ends up winning by two. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to see him as a two-time champion. You know, once okay, you could consider a fluke. Two, that's hard to consider two times any any kind of fluke. So he moves on to MotoGP. You could definitely see he was was absolutely happy with the with his win there, uh, winning the championship. Completely relieved. It took him about 20 minutes to get around the track. Um, had uh, three different helmets for the weekend. He had his regular helmet through um, up to Sunday in the race. When when he came out with sort of a Rothmans replica helmet for uh, Roger Burnett, which is what he raced in, you know, in, back in the day in, in the British series. And so he wore that. And then uh, Suomi uh, came up with a whole other helmet for him that he brought up to the podium um, once he had won the championship. And and I'm sure we'll be seeing that replica for sale here. Probably after the first of the year is the, you know, Tozlin championship thing. And that might be the thing that he wears next year in MotoGP. Don't know. Superbike uh, Superbike manufacturer standing Yamaha beats Ducati. Uh, Honda in third, Suzuki fourth, Kawasaki fifth. MV Agusta gets one point. Super Sports uh, did not watch the race. Although I do understand if you can find the Superstock race, which it's not real hard to find at the usual spots that you can download the Eurosport feeds. Um, apparently that is an absolute screamer of a race that I'm going to have to uh, to download. So we'll see. We'll take a look at that. You know, maybe will get a chance to take a look at that over the weekend. Uh, but Safagalu won that, uh, you know, basically kicked everyone's ass all season long. Continue to do it again here at Magnet Corps. Brock Park second. Craig Jones making uh, all the Brits, I'm sure, absolutely happy. Third. Um, Gianluca Vasilio uh, was fourth. Tommy Hill fifth. Another Brit. Uh, David Cheka, uh, Josh Brooks, uh, Fujiwara, Greg LeBlanc, and uh, uh, Rokali was 10th. Uh, Final points for Supersport, uh, Sof- Sofogaloo, 276. Brock Parks, 133. 4A, 128. Fuj 101. Craig Jones, 94. So Craig definitely had a good back half of the season. I'm, I'm doing this for a, to make a point here uh craig jones ninety four Rokely, ninety robin harms eighty three venommin seventy anthony west finishes ninth with sixty six points races three races gets ninth in the series man uh if he would have run the whole series what could hell if he'd have been in half the series what could he have done for points right anyways um i just thought that was funny and then uh vasilio john luca vasilio uh tenth with with sixty points manufacturers uh just a wrap that up uh... honda yamaha kawasaki suzuki and ducati so that wraps up the two thousand seven world superbike series i think it was a pretty solid year not a blow away year but i think it was a uh, pretty solid and um... looking for some good things in two thousand eight some you know obviously some changes going on be interesting to see you know how the twelve hundreds uh... for the ducatis affect the series Everyone seems to think that uh, Ducatis have been up there. They've won races. They haven't dominated this year, but certainly challenged a lot. You know, now that they're going to get an extra 200 CCS, that should spell gloom and doom for the series. And I would point you in the direction a little bit of the AMA series in uh, in looking at it this way. Ducati was up there, but not dominating. Not even really challenging for the wins, except for you know one race in the wet at Road Road America. A um, couple podiums here and there, but they're certainly not, not kicking everyone's ass. And and the reason I bring this up is that with the new 1,200cc rules in World Superbike, it's going to be much like the AMA Series in that uh, Ducati's not going to be able to run special cranks, uh, special pistons, special rods, and things like that, um, like they do with the current 990, 999. It's going to be a production, more seriously production-based crank and rods and pistons. They've got to use all that stuff. So... Uh, maybe not the pistons. I take that back. But still, um, you're not going to have all the super trick lightweight stuff that they could use in the 1200 era, like they can with uh, with the triple nine. So, even though they'll have a displacement advantage, they'll you know certainly have more power and more torque. I don't think Ducati's going to come in and run away with the whole deal. And in my mind, if they're a little bit smart, they're going to carefully gauge things as well. You know, maybe they come out and they what they don't want to do is come out and beat everyone's ass the first couple of races and so everyone can go, Oh, look, Ducati's got an unfair advantage. And I think if anything, they'll hold back they'll guess about where they need to be, and then if they need more power, dial it in a little bit as the year goes through so that they don't, you know, don't don't kill themselves, you know, goose that lays the golden egg type of deal. Um, you know, and they don't want to spoil it for everyone else, I don't think. Because there's a number number of other manufacturers who are gonna be coming in here with some V twins over the next couple of years, we believe. And um we want to see that happen. Don't want to see everything get screwed up for for that as well. So I think I think Ducati will play this thing smart. Um so I'll be excited to see it. I guess Troy Corser has ridden the bike, ridden it at some speed, and his comments uh, about the the new bike are hmm yeah, it's good. And that's about as far as it goes. Not uh how good, how much faster, any faster, that type of thing. Definitely holding their um, guards close to the vest there on that one, which is which is understandable. You don't want to give anything away too soon. No. So come, uh, what, March at uh, Qatar, I think, will be the opening round for 2008. So we got some time now to uh, overanalyze, to wait what happens, and, and a few seats still to be filled out and, and what happens for next year. Should be good next year, and we'll be excited to see. With that, we need to uh, take a quick look at Phillip Island. Uh, Not going to have a super long show today, so uh, might be a good thing. I don't know. Phillip Island, obviously one of the great rounds of the year. The track is phenomenal. It's it's one of those. It it probably ranks in the top three or four of every rider's favorite track, no matter what series you run. Uh, Just because it has a little bit of everything, it's a great open flowing track. Not a lot of the stop-start stuff. It's it's a true, in, in a sense, picture picture perfect type of road course. Uh, obviously, the dramatic views being right on the uh, right on the ocean. There, you get all the wild changes in weather. You know, going from you know freezing cold to screaming hot, and thirty forty mile an hour winds, and seagulls dive bombing people, and being taken out by riders' helmets and fairings and things like that. So. Um, you know, from, from talking with Liam Schubert uh, from last year, he says, you know, the pit, the pit facilities themselves and the garages, well, hmm, you know, be nice if they could upgrade those. But everything else about the place, they they love. Everybody loves it. Small, you know, it's kind of in a small town, a little bit out of the way from, from everything. So sometimes lodging can be a bit of a problem. But um, it, it's a place everybody looks forward to going, even though it is halfway across the world and the turnout for this year uh, i think they're expecting well over a hundred thousand people on sunday i guess they brought in just a ton of grandstands sold out not sure how they're getting everyone on and off the island uh, to to this whole deal but they're going to do uh, whatever they can to do it uh, obviously the big deal with casey stoner winning the championship at motegi coming home to race with being the um, 2007 champion obviously can't run a number one till next year and um so yeah you know boy boy uh, comes does well comes home to the to the ticker tape parade essentially is what this thing's going to be and uh excited to see how he how he responds to this um he's been pretty cool all year round you maybe saw a little bit of pressure at motegi making things a touch i don't know not that he was conservative, but just didn't seem to be quite on his game for, um, for Motegi. Now that, uh, all that pressure is gone, he is crowned the champion. Uh, I don't say he can relax, but he's going to go out there, I think, and, and, and get back to business the way he's done business all year round. Now, is there some added pressure? He's coming home as champion. Um, just some of the expectations that are happening here, all the demands on his time all year, or excuse me, this whole week. And, um, you know, probably needing an armed guard to get anywhere uh for the whole weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know, but it's uh it, it could be uh could be an interesting thing. I mean it, not sure how it's gonna pan out for Casey on this one. Uh but we'll be we'll be interested to see. You know, as we record this we're probably uh I don't know, about nine hours from bike less than nine hours from bikes getting on track here. Um uh, trying to do the conversion in my head for, for Australian time and it's I think it's like 4 in the afternoon, uh, 2 in the afternoon. Who knows what time it is on Friday over there because we're recording this Thursday afternoon. Anyways, enough babbling about that. Uh, some other people look forward to doing well here. I think uh, Rossi, I think, certainly looking to make a, a statement at, at this point in time of the season. Uh, I think they're getting a handle with the with the new motor here, and, and I think he's always gone well at this track. And I think Nicky Hayden will go very well here as well. Uh, I definitely am looking for a podium uh, for Nikki. Marco Melandria did well here last year, obviously winning the race with the dramatic power slide on the last corner, Uh, you know, kind of knee down, smoking the tires, victory sign flying there, which, you know, no one's got a really good picture of, just some screen captures from from TV that uh, are are a lot of people's desktop wallpapers. Um, Maybe only supplanted by the uh, Ruben Zaus uh, one on the on the hyper motar that that also was another classic you know knee down one-handed smoke in the rear tire type of thing but anyways uh, phillip island usually has some has some uh some good racing some good battles throughout and um no oh, it should be i, I hate to say it, i not to repeat myself for the 97th time but it should be good i'm i'm very excited to see uh, how this thing turns out the weekend and There's four or five guys I think have a legitimate shot at winning here. I mean, let's not discount Vermeulen here. He went well. Again, it was a rain race last year, finished uh, his first MotoGP podium, Um, but has gone well in in World Superbike at uh, Phillip Island as well. He's got the whole home thing going for him. Ant West, he's got the home thing going for him as well here on the Kawasaki. And, um, you know, they've certainly very competitive bike here at the end of the season. You know, like I said, there's a lot of people who could be thrown into the mix here. You know, how's The Hobbit going to go here? I absolutely no clue how he's, how The Hobbit's going to do here. Um, you know, Caporossi wants to, you know, he's got a couple races left to go out on a high note. Who knows? You know, And then, of course, all the uh, paddock speculation has been going on about the, the single tire rule, which we talked a little bit about here just a minute ago. And now that the Dorna, who owns BSB, has, has made that decision, riding on the wall, and I'm certainly going to be a, a big topic of conversation this weekend. And, you know, Dorna says uh, next weekend at Sepang that the final decision is going to be made. They'll make the announcement and, uh, and we'll go from there. And, and as I said, I'll say 100 times, to go to a single tire rule in the premier championship, which is a prototype championship, would be a goat fornication. First, you know, just flat out goat fornication i um, waiting to hear back from a uh, magazine editor to see if um, uh, the column that I wrote is, is going to be run. Uh, I haven't heard back yet, but then again, I just pinged him again uh, last night, so we'll see. And before, if uh, if he gives me that he's not going to run it, I'll, um, I'll basically read the column on next week's show, which will be out before the race, and um, we'll go from there. So I hate to say not much of a Phillip Island preview other than, you know, this one is, I think, is going to be wide open to a number of people to win. Great track, great facilities. One of those places you can mark on your calendar. And as a as a fan, I think one of those places you got to try and go to sometime in your life to see a MotoGP race. This year, maybe not the best year to go, but uh, given given the fact that the Avalanche of fans that that will be there. So with that, um, we will uh, we'll wrap it up here and get out. Not too uh, you know a bit of a shorter show to your day, but. That's how it goes. So um, feedback, always welcome at uh, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Tell your friends, tell your family about the show. Burn it on a CD, USB key, point them to the website. Like I said, we got the whole encoding thing figured out so that you can just listen to it, uh, the, the player on the site. If you don't want to download it off the website, if you don't subscribe to the, uh, the iTunes store, and, and I would like to thank both Scott and Mike for their, uh, for their reviews on the iTunes store this week. That uh, went up in the last week to 10, 10 days that it's gone up. So thank you guys very much. Would encourage everyone who does subscribe through iTunes to head on over there. And uh, if you can write us a review, um, I have noticed a difference in, you know, sort of that bar level that uh, for popularity and, and where we're falling in the rankings and when you search different things for the podcast. So that that does make a difference. That is helping. I want to thank you very, very much for doing so. And if you could continue, uh, people who have not done uh, not written review on uh, on iTunes. If you could do that for us, that would be much, much appreciated. Of course, as we said at the top of the show, if you could donate to the show, it would be greatly appreciated to help our equipment upgrade here. And if you really want to see a video version of Rumble Strip Radio, that'd be cool, too. Um, you know, The Donate button is all over on the website. Top right corner there in in gold says Donate. Uh, goes right to our PayPal account. If you would help us out, it would be much appreciated. Also, as a uh, as a note here as well, as we wrap up, next Thursday, which I believe is the eighteenth, eight o'clock, uh, doing another podcast with John Hall from Live Fast Racing. Um, that'll be over on Talkshoe. I'll put a link up in the show notes. You can go and listen to the other shows that we've done. That was a, we've done three shows now. This will be our fourth. Um, not so much motorcycle fo- focused, uh, more. Four wheel focused, but we do spend some time talking about motorcycles. So, I would encourage you to uh, come on into that show. That is a call in show through talk show. You have to download their client, I believe, um, to participate in it. But it's not that big of a deal. And uh, call in, ask us questions, have some fun with it, and uh, just listen to something uh, a little bit different that we do, uh, and and different that we participate in. So. With that, I'm going to get out of here. I'll tell you that Rumble Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media LLC and is protected under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved. Outro music this week. Hey, we're at Phillip Island. You got to go Aussie music, right? Going to go uh, some old school Aussie music. So until I talk to you next week when we wrap up Phillip Island and look towards a pang and the disaster and coming that could be the single tire rule in MotoGP, have fun, be good, most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk with you soon.